uh, I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be here with you all. I appreciate you. Um, before we go any further, we will let all of our kids escape to the back here. Our youth may go. And our ladies, you have a class there in the back. Um, and I get the privilege of uh, hearing about it before you guys hear about it. And sometimes I hear about the lesson and before or after. I actually know the lady that's on those videos. or um, She's in some classes that I'm taking. I don't want to say that I know, know her. But she's a, a, a woman of God. God has anointed her and she's doing a great job in the subject matter that the ladies are going through back there. Um, if you would go ahead and turn, and we will go ahead and turn in our Bibles. I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, we'll tail over into chapter 5, and Matthew chapter um, 16 and Matthew chapter 19. And let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 19, we'll open up with a word here. Matthew chapter 19, and we'll start at verse 20, and it says, The young man saith unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Or what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man had heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Lord Jesus, speak to us tonight. Speak into our lives. Change our hearts, Lord. May we have a greater revelation what it means to serve you and to walk with you and what it means to be called. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Tonight I want to talk to you about the cost of the call. I want to talk about our conduct, our thinking, and God's thinking. The cost of the call. With that, you have in your chairs... We began the year this way, all are called, all are called. And so we wanted to give you another card, and maybe you didn't have one to start with, but to take with you and, and go ahead, if you don't have one already, place it in your Bible. And if you do, put another one at home someplace. And, and I want you to remember that God came for you, and He came for your neighbor, and He came for your family, all are called. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Here on the verse it says, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. So if we have many are called, but few are chosen, and he who is faithful, he will surely do it. We put those two things together, then God has given us a certainty that he's made a commitment to us that he will fulfill his part. So we need to fulfill our part. We need to respond to Him. We need to answer the call. All are called. I, I grieve at that. Many are called, but few are chosen. Because I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with Jesus. I want to walk in His way and, and do the things that and, and on this earth right now, I want to live in Him. 
Sometimes I think that, that we get a notion of, of, of heaven in our minds and we're jumped the gun towards the finish line instead of living for God right now and in earth as it is in heaven. God has called you, each and every one of you, and he's using you to reach the next person all are called. Why? Because he wants to change life right now. It isn't just about the salvation of your soul's uh, um, when you die and then the trumpet blows and the dead in Christ rise first. No, this is about right now. This is today on your job. Today with your children. Today. And so that all are called is even more impacting when you realize that, that God is reaching in to do something today in your life and He wants to do something today in someone else's life. There's a moment in time when Pastor Trevor didn't go to church here. But he fell in love with a lady named Tabitha. And he thought, this is the one. And it turns out this was the one. And so he made his way here. And he liked Tabitha so much, he was willing to find out about this church. And Tabitha had a dad who said, you will find out about this church. I will tell you about it because you need to know what we believe. And Trevor began to find out that God's hand and his life and his pull and call had been bringing him to such a time as this, to a moment here where he was, things were going to be coming together and he was going to step into a new place. And, and his life was changed today, right now. The way he lived was changed right now. Because God said, I have a calling for you, and I'm not waiting till you're 80 years old, or till you're 50 or 40, but I've got your attention, and I want to use you, and I want to change you right now. All are called, all are called. So take this card, and remember that God has purposed and called you, and you're recognizing it because you have the card in your hand. And then begin to take another step each day at a time. To walk closer to him. Walk closer to him. So we turn back here into our passage in Matthew chapter 19. And we'll be sailing over in a little bit over to Matthew chapter 16. But as I thought on the topic, the cost of the call tonight, I, my mind went over as I was talking to Jesus and into this very, I refer to it as a familiar passage. Maybe some of you, this is your first time hearing about it. But this was a young man who came to Jesus and he really had a focus on life. He was getting things in order. And he came and he said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus had a little visit with him and, and questioned him. You know, Jesus loved this man. And he talked to him about the commandments, and, and the, the man says, hey, you know, I've held all these commandments up. And some of you might remember Emery, she talked about this, this passage here. And, and it was all the human commandments, not murder, not kill, not, not commit adultery, you know, all this, here's how I've dealt with people. And, 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 and he went through these human commandments, and Jesus then tells him to sell all he has and give it to the poor. Why? Because his life and his riches and his wealth, there was something there that I have conducted my life exactly how I should. 
very good. You've lived life right. You've treated people right. But you have some things that you've held up in life that has actually come between you and the God part of the Ten Commandments. Worshiping the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve and, and not having any other idols and um, those commandments. And so Jesus got to the heart of the matter by saying, hey, there's still something in the way. And He did it by saying, you just need to sell everything you have. Then you'll be perfect. And the man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. I can't jump over to Matthew chapter 16 yet without noting here that Jesus had told them that it was hard for a rich man to get into heaven. Why? Because it's easy to have something get in the way. And the disciples were amazed and they, they wondered and they, they said, man, then who can be saved You know, if the rich guy can't get there? And Jesus didn't say, well, then be poor. Get rid of your money. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, with men, this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Oh, I, I hear that passage. And in the past when I've heard it, I've, I, I've like, wow, we got a challenging situation here, but God can even come through the challenge. But I think Jesus is saying something more than that here. Because this is in the whole section of Matthew where he talks about the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he talks about how we shall become as a little child, meaning that we need to be utterly dependent on God. And what he's saying here is that you can't get yourself into heaven. I just gave you an example of a really rich person. And you would think if anybody could do it, the rich could do it. And if anybody could do it, this young man who's kept all these commandments and somehow got it down that I'm going to treat every individual out there right. Oh, if he can do it, you know, if he can keep all those commandments, then surely he's going to go to heaven. And yet, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. It's way too hard. If, if he can't do it, then how can anybody do it? And God tells us that it's impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. Hear me. You, you thought, wait a second. Uh, 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 I can't overcome my addiction. Yeah, in yourself you can't do it. Oh, you said, well, I tried counseling and it didn't work. Yeah, with man it wasn't possible. But with God, all things are possible. I, I didn't think my marriage could be put back together. Not the way you and your wife were handling it. Not how you went about business. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I have seen God reach in and take the hardest heart and turn it around. I've seen people that had a hardness in their eye. And you thought no word that I'm saying will pierce their soul. But I got down and I prayed. And I watched God sweep in and turn the hardest heart soft. And they begin to weep and cry and reach out to God. Why? With men this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. All things are possible. I want you to apply that to your life. Because what Jesus gave here is an encouraging word. You may look at the situations and you may think, man, wow, they've got it perfect and they're doing it perfect. 
it yet. And Jesus is saying, no, when God's over here, or God's over here, or God's in your situation over here, oh, you didn't think you could get through it by yourself. No, you can't. By man's wisdom, no, you can't. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. And so we have this rich young man, and, and I am saddened because he walked away from Jesus in that moment. And he, he couldn't get past what he was going to miss out on. And so I think this fits very well with when you flip over, and I said Matthew chapter 16, but at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 17, we have the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. And here, James and John and Peter, they went up on this great mountain. They went up there with Jesus, and then when Jesus was up there, he let them see his glory. And you notice that you have Moses, and you have Elijah. Ah, that gives you a little insight to why Moses' face glowed when he met with God in the wilderness. Why he met God face to face, and he visited with him, and and, and, and so now you see Moses here, and you see these um, John and James and, and Peter, and they're here, and they're seeing Jesus, they're seeing God and His glory, and He's shining, and they're stunned by it. They're having a heavenly, spiritual moment. But if Peter, James, and John had just gotten caught up on what they would miss out on life, and man's ideology, just like, they would have been just like the rich young ruler. And yet in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus in addressing Peter, and not Peter only, but the disciples, oh, got down into a key point here that if they hadn't got, or if they didn't get this point, they would miss out on the transfiguration. And I'm not talking about just in Matthew chapter 17, but on the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with, with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, and I, I like this, and I'm going to highlight a few things. I like to chew on these things, but Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had asked the disciples, and whom do men say that I am? And then he said, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and when he said that, uh, um, Jesus responded with, Thou art Peter, and he gave him this name change, and he said, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and he was forecasting the work he was going to do through Peter, and he talked about how he was going to give him the keys, and there was this great spiritual moment. And this goes to show us that we can have great encounters and revelation in God, but still also struggle with our humanity. Because right here at this time, Peter saw Jesus for who he was. And he expressed it. He let it out. He vocalized it. And that's something that we need to do in our lives. We need to recognize God for who he is. And we need to share it both with God and with others. But he expressed it. And he shared it. And Jesus responded with commitment but then just a few verses later, Jesus is talking about how he has to go to the cross and, and how he's going to have to die. And he said, suffer many things and be killed and raised again the third day. 
Then Peter took him, and this is verse 22 now, same chapter, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get me thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto thee, unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The cost of the call. God is telling them right now, he's telling them right here, he says, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you want to, if you'll lose your life, you'll save it. Peter had stood here and he went from a revelatory moment in a commitment from God of how God was going to use him in establishing the church to all of a sudden saying, no, no, you can't go to the cross. Why? Peter had gone back into his own wisdom. Yes, and this is what I'm telling you, you can have a revelatory moment in God and you can have God use you in mighty ways. But you've got to change your thinking completely. When Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence behind me, Satan. Thou doesn't savor us the things of God, but the things that be of men. He was telling him, or it could have been translated, You think men's thoughts, not God's thoughts. Peter, you have to change your thinking. You think the way men think. And I need you to think the way God thinks. If you want to have the Mount of Transfiguration, and if you want to go ahead and have that name change, and you want to be a foundation stone Peter, if you want to have the great things of God, you also have to think the way God thinks. Oh, Church of Omaha, I want to get my thinking changed. Oh, if you want to enter into the call you got to go ahead and be willing to change your thinking. You can't think like the rest of the people think. You can't do it their way. It can't be our thinking. Now I'm talking more than just about, okay, God, I, I thought it would be wise for, for me to keep my mouth shut today, but you told me I should witness to somebody. That's part of it. God nudging you and saying, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, well, wait a second. You know, I think this is an odd situation. Yeah, that, that's your wisdom being applied there. That's men's thinking versus God's thinking is I want you to do something here. And maybe God tells you, I want you to drive this really long way home. And you're like, well, that seems weird. Man's wisdom would say drive this way versus that way. Yeah, that, that's part of it. Man's thinking versus God's thinking. But man's thinking would say, hey, they really torqued me off. Um, as a kid, I'm going to punch them in the nose. For some of you, as an adult, I'm going to punch them in the nose. Yeah, don't, we don't do that, all right? And so we get some of that. But, but yet, 
we get all sorts of angry. And we get mad. And we're like, you know what? I'm done with that person. I'm I'm not going to talk to them anymore. You know what? I've got a few words to share with them. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, actually, maybe we'll even cover, we'll cover some other verses here, but I'll read verse 17. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, of their mind having, this is the New King James Version, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And the blindness of their heart. That's some pretty harsh words there. Some mean words. The futility of their mind. You know what Paul had gotten a hold of here? God's thinking. And Paul understood God's thinking so well. And it was not just an understanding. But such a part of him. That he would walk over to somebody. And he would say, "Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We don't think that way. You know, it was just like dealing with children. No, 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 no. We don't do that. Paul, he's writing to the church of Ephesus. We, we don't do that. that that's, that's futile thinking. That, that's, that's empty stuff right there. We don't do that. Ah, that, that confidence. You know, the rest of us are trying to figure out, man, boy, I really think I should live life this way, and I need to let people have it. And he's like, no, 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 we, we don't live life that way. That's the way the Gentiles lived. Because Paul had learned that I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. So he goes on, he says, but, verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed ye have heard of him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Christ, that ye should put off concerning your, formal conduct, your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt in deceitful lusts. You see, Peter, you think that the way to save Israel is that Jesus should ride into Jerusalem and be a glorious king, and everybody should follow him, and he should stand up, and he should declare that there's a change, and there's a new law and order in town. Not go to a cross and be crucified and be ridiculed. Peter, that, you think it should be that way, but that's the way that men think. You think that, that this is how we need to live, and this is how we need to deal with problems, and and. And this is what a great lifestyle is like. And, and, and man's thinking gets in the way. But Paul tells us that you should put off, the, um, off concerning your formal conduct, that old man which grows corrupt con- according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Church, being called by God, the cost of the call, is changing how you live your life, how you think about life, how you approach life, your conduct. You know, the children of Israel were very excited to be brought out of Egypt. And it was glorious to see all those plagues that went out. And and it was awesome and, and mighty to see God do great and wondrous works and to be declared from the mountaintop that, that you're the people of God. But you know what was really hard for them? Giving up garlic. I was in Nebraska City and I asked how many people like the garlic. And uh, they, half of them raised their hands. I'm okay that you all like garlic, by the way. 
but it was not as many hands as I, it was more hands than I expected for the percentage of people. I do not want to go back to the world for garlic. I do not want to go back to the world, Ephesians, for the lewdness of my mind. You see, it's one thing to be fed and to get the, the fishes and the loaves and to have a great time and, and you're like, God, it's great to walk with you and see you heal the body and, and teach these grand sayings. But you know, I'm attracted to a few things over here and I would like to enjoy them. Or when somebody makes me mad, this is how I would like to react. And, 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 and he's saying, no, Paul's saying, you can't think that way. You've got to change how you approach business. He says, put off concerning your formal conduct. The old man that grows, that means you need to change right now. That's repentance. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That renewed there is continually. That's a growing. That's a progression. That's a, you know, today I made it this far. But God's pulling on me further. And, and has anybody ever had it that you were like, you know what, I stopped doing this thing over here. I felt really convicted, so I stopped, and now I feel pretty good. Has anybody ever had that? I have. I stopped sinning, and I felt really good. I stopped sinning, and I felt really good. None of the rest of you did, did you? You all wanted to go back and sin. But then pretty soon, all of a sudden, the thing I was doing here, I started feeling conviction over it. And I'm like, what do you mean, God? I gave up that movie right there. I stopped that movie. But you want me to stop this movie too? Wait, you don't like this? All right, I'll change. And then I'm over here and I'm feeling pretty good because I gave up that movie and that movie. And You mean I can't tell those jokes? Wait, they were okay when I was over here. All I had to do was give up watching this movie and He's renewing me. He's making me to be like it was supposed to be before sin. He's, he's making me a new creature. And, and so I get over here and, I, and then I, oh, you want me to spend time in prayer. That's on Sundays. You mean on Monday? How about just Tuesday? Sunday and Tuesday. Monday? And he's like, yes, I'm bringing you along. You mean, you even care about what clothes I wear? You mean the clothes I wear reflect the thoughts that I think and the type of person that I am on the inside? You know, that's actually true. I'm sorry, maybe you don't cuss, but if you wear clothes that have cuss words on them, that's a statement about you. And, and, and you're like, hey, uh, I'm not supposed to look lustfully on somebody or think lustful thoughts, but you wrap yourself in a, a saran wrap? Yeah. You're not supposed to look like that either. You know, uh, uh, you want to be pure and, and, and holy in the, the sight of God and have holy thoughts, and then you're out there and you're overly trying to attract people to you? You know, what? your outward conduct reflects the inner man. And as you get closer to God, He has you put things off, and He has you put Himself on. He renews you. He progresses you in Him. And that's where it gets hard because when you're in the desert and you're the children of Israel and you're like, God, we're, we were really great when you gave us manna the first time. But 360 days later, can't we have some meat? I didn't go out and count the days to see how far it was along, actually. 
between man and quail. Now I'm interested in that. But, uh, um, you know, it, it, we get accustomed with God and we think, man, I've got God and I'm Pentecostal and I've uh, spoken tongues and I've been baptized in Jesus' name and, and, and we got a great church and people have been healed. But then eventually... We get in a spot here, it's like a revelatory moment. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and, and then God comes along and we flip back into humanity. We're like the children of Israel that say, but I'm missing on that thing from Egypt. I would like to go back to those movies. I would like to be like those friends again over there. I, I, I would like to be able to treat people this way when they make me mad versus this way when they make me mad. It's your conduct. It's man's thinking versus God's thinking. It's Jesus telling them that you need to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Yeah, you know that I do not want to go through what Jesus went through. Not at all. But you know Jesus got to plant his cross that day and be done with it. And you get to take your cross up every day and carry it. And I'm not trading places with Jesus, nor could I. But sometimes it's the 365th day that suddenly you're like, do I still have to do this? We talk about the rock in the shoe, the little pebble, the little tiny thing. I was at the zoo over the Saturday, and we finally get out of the zoo, and I want to get in the car, and the car is right back there where those gray doors are. Finn has walked all over the zoo, and he says, Dad, I got sand in my shoe. Can I empty my shoe out? I'm like, not right now. But what was his problem? Is right now, that rock, that bit of grit had finally gotten to him, and he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, that's what that, sometimes your cross doesn't seem like a very big cross, but then you hit a spot in life, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I just don't want to live this way anymore. Your destination is right over there. Keep on living for God. It may have been annoying for the last 364 days, but go ahead and live for God and, and go ahead and give up that little bit of sin over there that you gave up for another day. Keep walking for God. It may feel like it's rubbing you wrong, but I promise you that there's a mount of transfiguration just another verse later. So if you will think God's thoughts and not men's thoughts, there's going to be a moment where you're going to encounter God. Hallelujah. Oh, you say, wait a second, I'm not going to see him glowing on the mountaintop. But I'm telling you, I have walked into this church on a Sunday morning, and we get through one song, and we get through two songs, and then that third song, oh, there's something that flows through here, and I'm like, wait a second, Jesus, why did I ever not want to live for you? Oh, why did I ever forget about you? Oh, I've been, I've driven down the road. And, and, and man, life, I'm all wore out. I had that moment the other day. I was just flat tired. I had expressed it. And then I was listening to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, right? And God just spoke into my life. And all of a sudden, I promise you that Alicia was like, what? She wasn't with me. I called up, told her. I said, I was singing opera. In tongues. 
Yeah, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> but I didn't care. I was by myself. And uh, Brother Keith, I thought about you singing in tongues. And I think I called and left you a voicemail. <laughs> because I, all of a sudden, I was like, this is crazy. And anybody looking in this car? But I was like, man, God is great. And I, I sounded pretty good with no audience. <laughs> but in that moment, I felt such great joy. And the day fell off of me. God moved in that car. And I just held on another moment. I just kept living for him, just reaching out to him, just to connect with him. I didn't get everything perfect, but I took time to connect with God's thoughts. The cost of the call. While we're sitting over here in Ephesians, let's just, let's just look down through some of these things that Paul writes to them. We didn't read this verse, but verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth in love. You know, it, uh, man's thoughts, man's way of doing business, the logic of this world I, I trade thoughts sometimes with my coworkers, and and the way they do business, it doesn't always seem bad, but it's not that kind-hearted, forgiving one another. The values that they hold, the way they raise their children, I, I hear them. Oh, that's that's them teenagers. Oh, that's what they're gonna do. I'm like, wait a second, that's not the value I'm instilling in my young men and my my young ladies. It'll mess you up. Every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness, the deceitful plotting. We don't live that way anymore. Verse 25, therefore put away lying. Let each man, each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We're back to that truth in love and speak truth with his neighbor. But it's in love and, and putting away lying. By the way, uh, that goes a little bit deeper. Because lying is more than just your words. Because Jesus loves your neighbor. And I'll take your physical neighbor. And so your physical neighbor's not living for God at all, right? So you say to your neighbor, you're going to hell. Told them the truth. You know what the truth is? Your situation you're in, I think I got something for you. I love you care about you because that's what Jesus wants and the truth is they're not going to hell you say well they haven't changed their life God is looking at them and he sees them in heaven he says this is who you are and if you'll just hear my truth and you'll follow it and you'll obey it because you're called I called you and I died for you and and, and I've sent somebody to be your neighbor to share that with you so you thought you told them the truth but really what you did is you presented to them a lie because God is saying, hey, I love them and I want to pull them out. And so yes, if they continue in their conduct and they reject God, they're going to go to hell. But He wants to, you to bring them closer to Him, not drive them away. And so yes, strictly speaking, when I'm sinning, if I don't stop that, am I going to hell? Yes. But you have a mission to bring them to Jesus, not drive them away. I think I'm understood there. 
speak truth to his neighbor. For we are members one of another. And this is speaking, you know, in the truth in the church here. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know what that, that means? That means a couple things to me. One, God is in charge, so it's not for you to stew on something and develop vengeance to take care of the problem. Leave it to God. But two, as much as possible, try to end your dispute before the end of the night. Husbands and wives, this works really great in your marriage because I find I sleep a whole lot better. Now, she may sleep perfectly just fine either way. I don't know. Me, I lay awake there all night and I chew my teeth and I wake up angrier than I was when I tried to go to sleep because I don't have any sleep now. So I don't know about you, but this not let the sun go down on your wrath also applies if I can get through the problem and get over it, life is a whole lot easier. But you know what that's not? That's not men's thoughts. Trusting God to take care of the problem is not men's thoughts. Not, uh, not stewing on your anger is not men's thoughts. It says, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. This is verse 29, out of your mouth. But what is good and necessary, edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. That grieve the Holy Spirit makes you think of the children of Israel in the wilderness and them not trusting God and them not holding on to God and them not having faith. Change your language. I think I've hit on a lot of this pretty hard tonight. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I had to highlight it. Chapter 5, verses 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it be, not be even named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness. Bishop, I was like, <laughs> I don't normally think I need to stand up in front of you and hard rebuke the church and say, don't let there be fornication in here. But it is the truth. And if one of you is struggling at all with lusting, whether you're exploring on the internet or you're in a relationship with somebody, that needs to end. But he goes on, he says, let it not be maimed among you as fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and God. Verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 11, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then in verse 17, or verse 18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then verse 20, it says, Giving thanks always for all things to God in the, um, God in the name of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another in the fear of God. What I wanted to talk to you here tonight is about your conduct. And you say, wait a second, how does this have to do with the call? It's because living can be hard. First coming to God can be easy. It's the rich young ruler that shows up at night. But the cost of the call is that you need to change 
your conduct. You need to change how you think about people. You need to change how you talk about and talk to people. You need to change the feelings and emotions, whether it be anger or lust, that you have towards people. Men, we need to clean up our minds. We need to get, you need to get away from pornography. You got to stop it. That's fornication. You need to stop elevating things in this world above God, rich young ruler. That's idolatry. It's your conduct. It's your hobbies that you place above God. When you need to make a decision between going to church or going to a fun experience over here, we've got some things flipped around. If playing basketball on Sunday morning or watching a football game is more important to you, you've got a problem. Oh, church, we need to go ahead and find ourselves in a place of prayer. We need to respond with love when somebody gives us bitterness. We need to stop stewing on what others have done to us. And we need to go ahead and be filled with the goodness and the love and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, the call, the cost of the call is how you respond in life and how you conduct your life. It affects the inward man and the outward man. And I'm speaking to the church tonight. Because what is that real cost? It's your daily it's your, I've been called out, and I'm a different person. It's how you're going to deal with the problem on the job. When, when somebody makes you really mad in the meeting, or, or it looks like, hey, we could just be, we could, we could make a little decision here, and we could change some things here. We could get rich really quick. I saw a, a gentleman the other day, the head of uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, committed suicide. I was like, oh, man, he laid off all his employees, and he couldn't take it, right? So I dug a little deeper. Why did he commit suicide? Well, it's because he got with the head of GameStop. And they agreed, we're going to go ahead and elevate the price so we can sell and make a lot of money and basically cheat a lot of people out of money. And we'll be millionaires. And they did it. And yet I looked at how his life ended. Why? He had men's thoughts he had a moment of get rich quick. It didn't look too bad. It was like, maybe, would you, this is okay. We'll just take these steps. But those steps that you take in life, you may not be making millions of dollars, but your decision for what you respond to somebody or what you watch tonight or where you go on the internet or, 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 or the, the little actions you take, that's not the way that God does business. And you've got to get into God's thoughts because God's thoughts led him to Calvary and he sung there on the cross and he forgave the people that put him there. And God's thoughts took him to the cross. We could stand to our feet. Probably beating it pretty hard here tonight, but man's thoughts versus God's thoughts. Man's thoughts would not have gone to the cross. And man's thoughts wouldn't pick up a cross daily. Man's thoughts didn't want to give up the riches that stood between that young man and living for God. Man's thoughts would have corrupt communication, would deal with people differently. But God's thoughts respond with love, with righteousness, with not being given to anger, with having clean talk 
with treating people with kindness, not striking back when you're struck. God's thoughts, you know what they end up bringing us at the end of the day? They end up bringing us not a hangover the next morning. They end up putting marriages back together. They end up paying the bill when you didn't see any way through it. They end up making friendships with people that you would have driven away because of how they treated you. They end up giving you inner joy in the midst of the greatest turmoil. They end up giving you a God to turn to when you're at your lowest place in life and you didn't think you knew what to do. They end up giving you joy that's unspeakable when you just had the roughest day of your life. That's what you get when you go ahead and you start thinking God's thoughts. And that is truly the cost of the call. Oh, it may seem rough for a moment. It may seem like my conduct that I wanted to have here right now. But I'm telling you, that little bit of apparent joy that you got in that moment, oh, it all fades if you'll just give that up and you'll begin to live for God and you'll take up that challenge to take one more step, to just go a little bit further and you're going to get joys that don't compare to this world. If we could just close our eyes and begin to talk to God for a moment. God... You have a, there's a cost to the call. And it's changing my lifestyle and my conduct. God, it's not thinking men's thoughts, but it's thinking God's thoughts. It's, Lord Jesus, it's responding with love and kindness when, when Lord, I would like to respond differently. Jesus, it's laying myself on Your altar and, and taking those steps that You want me to change even when my my inner man doesn't want to do it, God. My flesh doesn't want to do it. Oh, God, I want to live for you daily. I want to walk with you daily. Lord, I want to be the kind of person that you want me to be. Hallelujah. God, help this church, God. Help us, Lord, to be you, to live for you, to be Jesus, to have your thoughts, not man's thoughts. Oh, God. You see, Lord, the, the things that went out to people today. Oh, God, the, the thoughts that have been stirred, the, the polling that's occurred. Jesus, I ask you just to reach in, God, and draw us closer to you. God, the convictions that's been pulling on the hearts to enter in closer to prayer, to change our conduct on our job, to change our conduct in the privacy of our home. Lord, to embrace You, Lord, in ways that we haven't wanted to embrace You, to change our language, our thinking. Oh God, help us to commit to You. In Jesus' name. Thank You, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Go ahead and give Him some love. I love You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you again this coming Sunday and uh, looking forward to having church. All are called.